Hello, everyone. This is episode number eight of Grow the Buck Up, and the third video in the financial series. This is Financial Independence 101. So last podcast, Last podcast, we talked about gaining the most joy per buck. We talked about determining how much joy was gained per dollar spent. Maybe it's on food. Maybe you enjoyed going out to nice dinners. Maybe you liked a new dress. Maybe it's a ski trip or even a morning coffee. That's all for you to decide. But at the end, we started to look into valuing something less physical. We started looking at valuing time. What is your time worth? Now, I'm not exactly saying what is your time worth in terms of work, though you can calculate that out. But what is your time worth to you when it is simply your own time to do what you want to do? What is it worth to wake up every day for the rest of your life and never go to work, or go to work on your passion, go to work on a hobby, or go volunteer, or do something that you love to do, that you've always wanted to do, what is the value of that? Now this is the concept of financial independence, where you are financially able to support yourself, and support your life without needing to work a job to make money. Now, you're either giving time to pursue other passions, you're freeing up stress of needing that paycheck, or you're simply stopping work, if you so wish. And that is referred to as FIRE, which is financial independence retiring early. Now, when I first learned about FIRE, I was all in. I went hard into it. I said, wow, I can retire early? All I have to do is save as much as I can? Well, okay. I'm going to save everything and do nothing. And I sacrificed so much of my current life for my future life that I was miserable. And I eventually ran into a wall and I realized FIRE is not everything. Retiring early is great, it's fantastic, but it isn't a cure for unhappiness. I was unhappy with my life, I found a solution, at least I thought I found a solution, I went all in on it, and then I realized that is not the case. So I say that at the start as a warning, because I'm sure there are some people out there like me, in fact I have read many stories of other people out there like me, who did the same exact thing and then came to that realization as well. That just because you retire doesn't mean that you are now suddenly going to be happier, right? You have to still find those things in your life that will bring you joy. And some of them might cost some money and they might be things that you want to work for and others might not. But that is another important piece that you have to go and get in your life. But this is the financial series. So we are going to go back and talk a little bit more of the financial stuff. 
So for instance, let's say I want an experience of skiing in my life. Skiing costs money. It is not the cheapest thing. I could, I could definitely have way cheaper hobbies. Frisbee golf, that's a cheap hobby. I mean, you can make it expensive, I'm sure, if you are constantly upgrading your, your disc and everything like that. But I went and bought like $30 worth of disc, and I've gone out and played multiple times, and it's great. And it was super cheap. Skiing is not. You have to travel to where you can ski, lodge where you're going to be, get passes to go skiing, have the gear or rent the gear, etc. It's a very expensive endeavor. You can make it cheaper in some ways. But it's something that I recognize as a high joy per buck. And thus I want it in my life. And so that's something I'm willing to spend time working on now to have in the future. I also want other experiences. And of course, I just factor this stuff in, right? I've sat down, I've done my joy per buck calculations, and I've kind of come up with a list. And I say, this is what I want. And that list isn't set in stone. I change it, right? As I age, as I go through different experiences, as I, you know, whatever it is, I change that list. But I have a good sense, and from that list, I can get a good idea of uh, where I'm kind of looking, projecting to spend, right, in the future and now and all of this. So what do you factor all of that into? You factor it into the math and the equations, of course. And the best part about fire is the math behind it and how much more accessible it is than people believe. Now, why don't they believe it? Because it bucks everything that we've been told since we were young. You go to school until you graduate high school, and then you go to college or a trade school until your early 20s, and then you work until your mid-60s, and then you stop, and then you have your retirement years, and those are the years that you do the things that you want to do. Now, if this is the path you have taken, the path you are on, the path you want to take, go for it. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong in how you want to live your life. I'm here to tell you that there are other ways. There are options. There is no exact formula for how you need to live your life or work your life. And when you really start to think about it and start to, without even really digging in too much into the math, of how they come up with that formula for work, you know, out of work and retire at 65 and and why that number is so set, it doesn't really make sense. Work from my early 20s to my 60s. What if you have someone making $20,000 a year and someone making $100,000 a year? Wouldn't that formula need to take into account their incomes? What about their lifestyles? If you live in Tulsa, Oklahoma... It's very different from if you live in San Francisco, California, right? And there's all sorts of in-betweens and aboves and belows all over the place. And even how you're living in those areas has a huge effect. Wouldn't a formula for when you need to retire take into account those factors? 
How is this formula so built into society when it's missing so many variables? Fire is simply creating a better calculation that takes into account all the variables necessary to print out a real number, not a made-up one that just generalizes and, and just doesn't really have a lot of basis in it from a number standpoint. Now, the best part about it is it's accessible to a lot of people because it's not just built on what you make. Now, that's definitely a part of it. In fact, that's half of it. But it isn't all of it. So the formula actually comes down to two big things. One is, what is your income? And two is, what are your expenses? And the biggest piece is how those two interact. If you make $1 million post-tax per year, you would say, wow, Alex, you can retire whenever you want. But what if your, my expenses were also $1 million a year? per year. Now I can't ever retire. In fact, now I can't even save a drop. I will work for the rest of my life indefinitely if I make and spend $1 million per year. Now, unfortunately, this is often a trap we get caught in, right? The more we earn, the more we spend. And a lot of times it's for keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, my neighbor, I want to look like I have, the people that I work with all have, whatever it is. We look around us and we see this next level of wealth and we want to have that level of wealth, but we want to show it. We want to look like we have it and everybody's trying for that. And so we just constantly push that limit, push that limit. I'm going to get the next biggest thing. I got an increase in my paycheck. I'm going to go and splurge and get a bigger house or get a nicer car or get a fancier watch. And we just never save it. We never sit back and say, do the joy per buck calculation actually and say, is this what I actually want? Is this what's going to increase my happiness in life? Because the more stuff that I have and the more payments that I have, the more money that I'm required to always make and the longer I have to work to make that money to pay those bills, to pay off the, right? It just continues down that line. So what if we changed our mind? What if I make $1 million per year, but I decide I'm only going to spend $500,000 per year? What if I decide to only spend $25,000 per year because you know what? There's a lot of people spending $25,000 a year and they seem to be doing just fine. In fact, I'm sure at some point, even if I'm making a million dollars a year now, at some point in my life, I was probably living on $25,000 a year. When I personally, by the way, I'm not making a million dollars a year, but when I personally look, think back to when I was in college, I was on very little income and yet I lived fine and was able to make things work and was still able to enjoy life. There was still a lot of fun and stuff to be had and I wasn't making a lot of money. 
So at $500,000 a year of spend, assuming I make a million, I would be able to retire in 17 years. At $25,000 a year, I would be able to retire before this year is over. Now I've been talking about large numbers, right? This million dollars. And I'm sure you're saying, this doesn't apply to me. Why are you saying that? I don't make a million dollars a year. I'm never going to make a million dollars a year. And that's great because you know what? This isn't about income. It's about savings rate. And the higher your savings rate can get, the earlier you can retire. And it might not be by the end of this year. But let's just look at the numbers. A 10% savings rate puts you at about 51 years until you can retire. And that's assuming, right, this is taking into account all of the stuff with the inflation and your savings now. And this is assuming your expenses are, you know, on that same trajectory and you're right. All of that. So if you are saving 10% of your income, it's going to be 51 years until you can safely retire and have enough money for the rest of your life. If you bump that up simply to 20%, once again, this isn't dealing with a million dollars a year, whatever it is. This is whatever your income is. If you can save 20% of that, you will cut it down 14 years to 37 years until you can retire. Well, shoot, now you're already getting below that average. And that's only at 20%. If you can cut it to 30%, you're looking at 28 years until you can retire. 40%, 22 years. 50%, 17 years. And it keeps going down, right? The more income that you can save now, the higher percentage of your income that you can put into savings and the less you need to live on, the faster you can retire. It just makes sense mathematically. And that is the fantastic thing, especially for people like me who just love seeing the numbers and how they fall into place. Now, I do want to mention that these numbers are assuming you're living off of a 4% withdrawal rate. This is meaning you have your money invested broadly in, you know, index funds, bonds, things of that nature. And the 4% rule is pretty well researched. It has a very high success rate. And this is without even factoring in human element of being able to make decisions, such as, let's say I retire today, and it's taken into account all different markets, by the way, markets that are tanking, markets that are rising, and whatever. But, let, you know, it, it ignores all the human elements of, let's say I retire today, and tomorrow the, the market crashes, and it drops 20%. Well, I could continue along that path and maybe have a, a riskier chance of retiring or, or, you know, being able to survive completely with this 4% withdrawal rate. Or I could go, ah, oh, the market took a little bit of a dip. I'll spend a little bit less this year or I'll get a side hustle or I'll pick up a job for six more months to make a little bit more to pad it. Right. So there's a lot of flexibility in this. But with even without the flexibility, the 4% rule is a very great rule. And if you want more information on that, I highly suggest you go and look up something called the Trinity Study. Um, it has a lot of information of how they came up with that number. And there's a lot of great calculators out there that will play with this, right? You can input stuff in and it will play with it and say your success rate is 
98% assuming you do this, this, and this, right? And once again, that is without you making any decisions along the way based on how things are going. So getting out of that, let's say you are the median U.S. household family, which according to Sentier Research in 2018, your income as a household was $62,000, roughly, $62,175. you are not making a million dollars a year, but you don't have to, right? Let's look at the math again. If you want to retire in 22 years, in your mid-40s, all you need to do is save 40% of your income. That means you have to find a way to live on about $30,000 a year after taking taxes into effect, right? Cut taxes off the income and then live on uh, 60% and just save 40%. You're living on about $30,000 a year. Now, it might seem crazy at first, but if you actually start looking at expenses, there's a lot of ways to cut things down that don't have that high of a joy per buck, or at least have a lower joy per buck than your free time. Additionally, you can sit there and say, there's no way to live on $30,000 a year. But there are a lot of people, like I said before, living on $30,000 a year or less in this country that seem to do it just fine. I've lived on less than $30,000 a year, very easily. And I still felt like there were things that I could have cut out of my life if I needed to save even more. So look at some things, basic things first. Cable, can you get a reduced phone bill? Change your data plan or something, right? Daily lattes. What about housing? Where you live? The size of what you're li- the house that you're living in? Do you need 4,000 square feet for your family of two? Do you want it, right? I mean, what is the situation? Where is it? Are you living in the middle of New York? Or are you living in a small town in Kansas? New cars. Cars are a a huge expense that people willingly dump a lot of money into and generally aren't great investments, right? Unless you're getting some specific classic car. Generally are not going to be something that is uh, you're putting money into and is going to be worth more in the future. So all of these things you need to really consider and think about, right? What are ways that I could potentially cut stuff in my life to improve my savings rate. And you can start really looking into the value of these things and these places. Is a $3,000 a month apartment in New York York worth it? Well, that already for that median income family is more than the entire budget of it. So you wouldn't even be able to save 40% if you lived in that apartment. But could you move? What if you had a 45-minute commute? And he found a place that was $1,000 a month. Maybe you got some roommates. Right? What if you moved and got a place in Arkansas? Oh, wow, it's only $800 a month. Well, that frees up a lot of income space. 
Now, moving's not always an option, but I think often it is. I think many times we dismiss things like that before we even consider them. There are jobs all over the country, and uh, there are plenty of cheap places to live that would probably be all right. And is it an all right enough to save 20 years of work? That would be the question to ask. Would I rather be here spending what I spend now and not having this? Or would I rather be there saving that much more, saving me that many more years? And this is giving you a goal for your money, I think, which can be a little, a little bit better, right? A little bit different. Because I think originally you're just, a lot of people are saving money and then saving it just to spend, right? We're going to buy a house. You save up enough until you have enough for that down payment. And then you spend the money on the house and you're not really leaving a lot behind there. They don't see retirement as this thing that they can put money towards and bring faster. So now you have it as a object that you can actually put dollars towards to increase the time that you would not, that it would be, uh, sorry, totally messed that up. Increase the, or decrease the time until it got there, right? So once again, I'm not here to tell you how you need to live your life, how you need to save your money. I'm here to simply say, look at the options, right? If retiring early and freeing up your time seems worth it, do it. Take the actions to actually go and make these changes or at least look at these changes. What is it worth to you? And you know what's great? The best part about looking at your expenses is every time that you can cut an expense out of your life, you're actually double cutting it out. Because not only are you saving more money now, which then you can take the money saved, right? If I'm not spending $5 a day on lattes, I can take that $5 and invest it, thus increasing my savings rate that way. But I'm also decreasing my future expenses as as well, which means I will need even less to live on, which means I can retire even earlier. So not only would cutting my expenses from $40,000 a year to $30,000 a year give me another $10,000 to savings, but it also means that if I'm only needing to live on $30,000 a year, I'm only needing $1.2 million in the end to have that 4% withdrawal rate. And getting to that might seem crazy, but when you just do the math, And especially when you take into account compound interest, you're just, it's going to get there so much faster. And compound interest is man's best friend. Warren Buffett said, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said, it is like his favorite thing. It is the thing that is the the best thing ever. That is not a direct quote of Warren Buffett. But... It is something that is related to what he was talking about. I should have had that quote. Just came to my mind. But compound interest is fantastic. And that is simply saying, if I put $5,000, let's say I put $1,000 into the, the market. 
and let's say that it makes 10%. It's now $1,100 the next year, and I haven't done anything to it. Now, if I just leave that in there, that $1,100 is then going to get 10%, right? Which is now adding $110 instead of adding $100. And it will continue and continue and continue to do this and start to kind of snowball. And this is the idea of compounding interest, right? And it works in a negative way as well. If you have a credit card and you have that debt, you owe five, you owe $1,000, 10% penalty comes, now you owe $1,100, 10% penalty comes, now you owe $1,210, 10% penalty comes, now you owe, th- right? It, it's going to grow exponentially in that way. You're gonna have the same thing on the positive side for yourself. So you're going to see that upward curve. It's not just a flat savings line anymore. The money is making money, and then that money is making money as well. So this is the idea of getting that money now, when you have more time, putting it in a place that can be invested and it can grow, and then letting it grow. And it's not obviously going to be 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, right? That's not how the market works. It goes up and down and things like that. But... You average it out over the long run, right? We're not looking for the quick one-year gain. We're looking for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, 30 years. Depends, whatever your savings rate is that you're aiming for. We're looking for that and just trying to hit that target. And so you average out over all those years. And it's going to grow. And so when you have that, right? When you have that knowledge and that ability, that money now, especially when you're cutting those expenses, becomes even more important because the more that you can put it in earlier and the more time that that money has, the better chances, the better opportunity it gives to further grow for you, right? So going back, Overall, this is not really a factor of income unless you are at the point where you're making so little right now that there really isn't a lot of room to cut. If you are paycheck to paycheck and have no way to cut, you've got roommates already, you, you know, you, there's certain limitations, obviously, where it's you are, there is just not a lot being made. The best advice there, I think, is to find a way to improve your skill set, to improve your education, to start some side hustles, whatever it is, to earn more. Because at some point, you definitely need to have a little more income coming in. And I recognize not everybody is always fortunate to be in these amazing situations where they have that so easily for them. I'm not saying that this solution, financial independence, is readily available to every single person. But there are a lot of people who simply don't realize it, that it is available to. Overall, though, it's more a matter of what you are living, willing to live on, what you're willing to sacrifice, and what you can and can't live without. But you have to challenge that idea, right? You have to grow the buck up. Because a lot of us are comfortable, but unhappy with our situations. And this is a way to change that. 
This is a way to not be stressed out about not having enough money, which in turn can lead to poor decisions or difficult times. Simply having the financial independence, the ability to withstand times without pay when you're laid off or whatever happens can lead you to more success in life because it can lead you to not having A, that stress, but B, that crazy urgency. If I get laid off and have no money readily available to me, I need to take whatever job I can just so I can get some money in. If I get laid off and I have six months of my expenses stocked away, I can take time to evaluate offers and probably put myself in a better position. This is a way to buy your time and there is very clear math to show you how. There's a site called networthify.com which has a great tool that does all of the calculation for you and just spits it out in a simple way. You just go there and say, income is this, expenses are this, or savings is this, and it will spit out the numbers and say, you can retire in blank years with this savings rate. So my challenge to you is to go there and play with that tool and simply look at your current situation as well as what a couple of changes in your expenses could do. How could that play with your retirement years? How could that change from 30 years or, you know, to 20 years? What would that look like? And maybe look at your life as well. Look at your expenses, your joy per buck. And say, what are a couple of things that I could cut out here that would change that as well? That could have a massive impact. And a lot of times it's small things. Cable could be $100 a month. That's $1,200 a year. That's $12,000 a decade. Are you getting $12,000 a decade of joy out of it? Or is that money having gone into the market over that time gaining interest or compounding interest, right? Gaining and gaining and gaining. Is that worth more? Because the time value of money is a real thing. So look into these things and really make these decisions. And that's my challenge to you. So tune in next week for the next episode. It's going to be part four of the financial series. Small sacrifices equals big changes. I think it definitely is going to relate back to the end of this episode. As always, you can find these podcasts live on Twitch, on my YouTube at youtube.com slash grow the buck up, on any of the popular podcast feeds, or on my own site, www.growthebuckup.com. That's all I have for now. Thanks for listening. Now it's time to grow the buck up.